Hello, my name is Kigak Park, professor of international law at the School of Law, Korea University, as well as a member of the UN International Law Commission. Today, I will explain to you the topic entitled Lex Veranda in international law. Before starting, I recommend you to consult the PowerPoint presentation of my lecture together with this audiovisual program because I will skip some detailed parts of jurisprudence, ILC works, and state practice. Why did I choose this topic? There are some reasons, especially I would like to pose following two questions. First, as you know, the term Lex Ferenda had been invented by scholars. Is it still used only by scholars as an academic terminology? Or is it employed also by states, courts, and the ILC as a practical or diplomatic purpose? Second question is, in the ILC statute, there is no explicit mention on Lex Lata and Lex Ferenda, even though the ILC discussed internally so-called, I quote, a single consolidated procedure, which incorporates elements of both Lex Lata and Lex Ferenda, end of quote, in 1968. So, what is relationship between progressive development of, of international law and its codification on the one hand and Lex Lata and Lex Frenda on the other hand? In other words, can we consider that Lex Lata and codification of international law have the same meaning? Similarly, can we say Lex Frenda is identical with progressive development of international law? For your reference, the ILC adopted in its 50th session in 1998 the three criteria concerning the progressive development of international law and the codification of international law for the selection of topics and very interestingly added a new paragraph what is related closely for me with Lex Ferenda. I quote, The Commission further agreed that it should not restrict itself to traditional topics but could also consider those that reflect new developments in international law and pressing concerns, I would emphasize, pressing concerns of the, the international community as a whole. End of quotation. From now on, I will try to find answers to above two questions which I put. I will briefly survey relevant domestic and international jurisprudence 
the ILC's works and the practice of states. At the end of this lecture, I will identify six conclusive points that can help you to identify more clearly the term Lex Ferenda. Here in this introduction, I will mention definition, role, and examples of Lex Ferenda in international law. Let's look at the definitions of Lex Lata and Lex Ferenda. Maybe you know Lex Lata means the law which is presently in force, namely positive law. On the other hand, Lex Ferenda means the law which is being sought to establish, the law to be proposed. Another expression, the Lege Ferenda, is also often used. Its meaning is with a view to Lex Ferenda. Consequently, Lex Ferenda is not a positive law, but is a notion that evolves over time and reflects a certain value, which makes it inherently subjective in nature. From this above definition, we can find legal differences with formal sources of international law. Lex Ferenda is not similar to treaty law, custom international law, general principles of law, which are all positive law. Lex Ferenda is also different from so-called gentleman's agreement, which creates political or moral obligation between parties. With regard to soft law, the relationship between Lex Ferenda and soft law might be different depending on how narrowly or widely soft law is defined. I will discuss this question later. What is role of Lex Ferenda in international law? For me, the role of Lex Ferenda includes improving existing law, filling possible legal gaps, and possibly replacing an exi existing law by another desirable law. In domestic legal system, the role of Lex Ferenda is limited because domestic courts are called upon to decide whether certain standards of behavior have become binding law. However, in international legal system, the role or intervention of international courts or tribunal are still limited. So the role of Lex Ferenda is more active than domestic legal system. Can you give me some examples of Lex Ferenda in international law?
I think there are two groups. One is Lex Ferranda that became already Lex Lata in international law. For example, Yuskogens after the 1969 Vienna Convention on Law of Treaties and the exclusive economic zone around 1980s, namely just before the adoption of the UNCLOS, United Nations Convention on Law of the Sea. The other group is those remain still as Lex Ferranda. Maybe rule concerning prohibition of threat or use of nuclear weapons and principle of solidarity. How about R2P, responsibility to protect? For me, it is not Lex Ferranda, but remains as a political doctrine. Hereafter, I will look at relevant jurisprudence, the ILC's works and the practice of states where the term Lex Ferranda appears. I will not enter in detail, so please consult the PowerPoint presentation of my lecture. Lex Ferranda appeared in the jurisprudence first. The term jurisprudence here covers both domestic and international jurisprudence. The term Lex Ferranda appears in the jurisprudence of domestic courts, for example, in South Africa, Spain, United Kingdom, and the USA, etc. Lex Ferranda can also be found in jurisprudence of international courts and tribunals, for example, of course, International Court of Justice, International Tribunal for the Law of the Sea, ITLOS, European Court of Human Rights, Inter-American Court of Human Rights, etc. In this lecture, I will mention only some examples of the ICJ cases. On other cases, please consult the related materials of this lecture. I have found that the ICJ uses the term Lex Ferranda in three different ways, and such approach is similarly adopted by other international tribunals and domestic courts. First mode, the ICJ mentions Lex Ferranda for the clarification or limitation of its jurisdiction. There is a good example. Fishery jurisdiction cases in 1974. In paragraph 53, I quote, in the circumstances, the court as a court of law cannot grant judgment sub specie legis frenda or anticipate the law before 
the legislator has laid it down. End of quotation. So here the court decides that its judgment shall not be based on lex ferenda. Second mode, the ICJ mentions lex ferenda for the verification of the legal nature of a specific norm. There are two good examples. One is North Sea Continental Shelf Cases in 1969. In paragraph 62, I quote again Article 6 of Geneva Convention on Continental Shelf was proposed by the ILC with considerable hesitation, somewhat on an experimental basis. At most, the legge ferenda, and not at all the legge lata, or as an emerging rule of Kasmi international law, end of quotation. So, in this case, the court considers median line or equidistance line is not at that time a custom international law, but lex ferenda. Second example in this second mode is advisor opinion on legality of threats or use of nuclear weapons in 1996. In paragraph 73, I quote, the emergence as lex lata of a customary rule specifically prohibiting the use of nuclear weapons as such is hampered by the continuing tensions between the nascent opinion juris on the one hand and still strong adherence to the practice of deterrence on the other. End of quotation. So, in this case, the court considers the rule on prohibiting the use of nuclear weapons is not lex lata, but lex ferenda. Third mode, the term lex ferenda appears only in separate or dissenting opinion, not in judgment itself. You can find some examples in my PowerPoint presentation, so I will skip this de detailed explanation. Now I will turn to the official ILC documents where the term Lex Ferenda can be found. Where we say the ILC's official documents, they include yearbook, annual report to the United Nations General Assembly, special rapporteur's report, and secretariat's memorandum, etc. The term lex ferenda appears in the ILC documents from the very beginning of its works since 1950s. For example, topic on arbitral procedure, 
the law of the sea, the law of treaties, and state responsibility, etc. In my PowerPoint presentation of this lecture, I made comments on the recent works done by the ILC. Here I pose some examples. One example is topic on the identification of custom international law, which the ILC adopted the second reading draft conclusion this year, 2018. Please look at commentary on conclusion 14 entitled Teachings. And second example is topic on the protection of the environment in relation to armed conflicts. Here, the report says, the view was also expressed the some rules under the law of armed conflicts relating to protection of the environment did not seem to reflect custom international law. The commission would therefore have to consider to what extent the final outcome would contribute to the development of Lex Ferenda. Now I will turn to practice of states where the term Lex Ferenda is mentioned. In detail, please consult my PowerPoint presentation of this lecture. There are some examples. I will make five or six examples hereafter. First is very hot issue, topic on the immunity of state officials from foreign criminal jurisdiction, especially draft Article 7 entitled Crimes on the International Law in respect of which immunity rationale materie shall not apply. That means we made exception. Several delegations urged the ILC to indicate to what extent the draft articles constitute an exercise in codification, that means reflecting lex lata, and where they engaged in progressive development of international law, that means reflecting lex ferenda. So you see, they use also Lex Ferenda. Other examples are topic on identification of custody international law, especially please look at draft conclusion 15 entitled Persistent Objector, and topic on the provisional application of treaties, ILC adopted, this year, 2018, first reading draft guideline, and please look at draft guideline 4, entitled Form of Agreement. And also topic on the protection of the atmosphere, the ILC adopted first reading draft guideline this year, 2018. Please look at draft guideline 9, paragraph 2, entitled interrelationship among relevant rules. And finally, another other example, topic on succession of states 
in respect of state responsibility. Several delegations underlined the need to carefully, start, careful, careful study issues of responsibility by taking into account every specific type of succession. It was suggested that the commission, the commission means ILC, should make clear whether it is setting out lex lata or lex ferenda. The audience, from now on, I will explain six conclusive points on this lecture. Considering above research on relevant doctrine, jurisprudence, the ILC's works, and state practice, I draw six conclusive points which, which will help identification of lex ferenda in international law more clearly. Point one, this conclusion is the answer to my first question put at the outset of this lecture. The term lex ferenda was invented by scholars, but it is now a practical term which is also used by states, the ILC and the domestic and international courts and the tribunals. However, we should be careful because there are different modes of application with regard to the term of lex ferenda among scholars, international and domestic courts, and states. Point two, the second conclusion is the answer to my second question put at the beginning of this lecture. Lex lata and lex ferenda can be understood as a kind of materials for the work of the ILC, while the progressive development of international law and its codification are the main activities of the ILC. These two categories are closely related to each other. In other words, codification is based on lex lata, while progressive development of international law mainly consider, considers lex ferenda, but it may also clarify ambiguities of Lex Lata. I would like to draw your attention that the ILC once admitted in 1956 that the distinction between two activities can hardly be maintained in preparing the rules of the law of the sea. However, the Commission has never completely abandoned such distinction since its creation 
up to nowadays. Point three. In international relations, Lex Ferenda might be invoked by a state or a group of states who share the similar cultural, economic, and political backgrounds, common interests, or values. Here, I would like to pose two additional questions. First, is Lex Frienda similar to the characteristics of natural law? My personal answer is natural law and Lex Frienda are not the same because the Lex Frienda might be based on non-legal or moral considerations. Second additional question. Is Lex Frienda a kind of voluntarism? My personal answer is yes, because Lex Frienda is based on subjective intention or values of states. Now I will turn to point four. Many scholars agree that the boundary between Lex Lata and Lex Ferenda is becoming blurred. It might be true. However, I think the evaluation on such phenomenon can be different depending on, first, whether this phenomenon is normal considering the current heterogeneous structure of international society. Or, secondly, whether it has only a negative impact on the formation of international law. For example, French professor Prosper Veil worried that the increasing difficulties in distinguishing between Lex Lata and Lex Ferenda is threatening as it may cause a sort of breakdown in the structure of international law. But not all international lawyers agree with such pessimistic view. I want to mention very briefly about the relationship between soft law and Lex Ferenda, which I mentioned at the beginning of this lecture. As I already mentioned, this question is closely related to the definition or scope of soft law. Soft law is partially related to Lex Ferenda, but is not totally identical to Lex Ferenda because Lex Ferenda is not a part of current positive legal system or it does not create legal obligation to states. Point five. 
It is difficult to ascertain clearly at what moment Lex Prenda becomes Lex Lata. The problem is to determine at what moment a certain rule acquires the status of an existing binding law. Prior to that moment, it forms a part of Lex Ferenda. After such a moment, it becomes a part of Lex Lata, namely positive law. We can enumerate several factors that make the distinction between Lex Lata and Lex Ferenda more difficult. First factor. There are various forms of final outcomes of the work done by the ILC. For example, draft articles, draft conclusions, draft guidelines, draft principles, etc. The problem is we do not know exactly whether a set of guidelines or principles reflect wholly or partially lex ferenda. Second factor, there are a number of final outcomes of the ILC initially proposed as a form of international convention, but remaining still as an annex to the General Assembly resolution. That means without legal binding force. Even more, unfortunately, a number of final outcomes which were already adopted as international conventions, but they have not yet entered into force because a lack of sufficient number of ratification. Third factor. The ILC rarely mentions in the relevant commentaries on its second reading draft articles whether a certain provision is based on progressive development of international law. Fourth factor. As already mentioned, since sometimes states maintain different views on principles and fundamental values of international relations or international law, it is not always easy to reach an agreement over whether a certain rule can be regarded as a lex ferenda, which is right for transition to lex lata. Point six, and this is my final conclusion. It is mainly up to international courts and tribunals, maybe, to resolve the problems of conflicts of norms of time and to draw a sure and clear boundary between Lex Lata and Lex Ferenda in international law. 
However, their infrequent involvement leaves a great deal of uncertainty hanging over the separation of existing law, namely lex lata, and the law that aspires to replace it, namely lex ferenda. Dear audience, this is the end of my lecture on lex ferenda in international law. I would like to recommend you again, please consult the PowerPoint presentation of this lecture and the latent materials to understand more clearly this lecture. Thank you very much for your kind attention.